Welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. We are joined today by uh, special guest Rob Eno, Blaze Media critic. Thank you for being here back in town. Oh, thanks for having me on. Uh, also, Andrew Heaton. Hello. Something's off with Andrew Good Heaton. to be back. Thank you. I wasn't, I wasn't saying the name of your podcast. I was just letting people know something. I'm fine with it either way. I just want people talking about me. <laughs> and then finally, Glenn Beck is back. Uh, you? you? Were, I'm great. You were absent. We missed you. Thank you very much. I miss being here. Lots to talk about. Yes. Yeah, so what's your top story? Top story today is uh, why it matters um, on a story like what Louis Farrakhan just tweeted. All right, Andrew. International adoptions are on the endangered species list, and a culprit behind it is regulation. Oh, I can't wait to get into that. Rob. Um, CNN media anchor uh, Christian Amanpour actually said what a lot of the media think and asked why people don't go to jail um, for expressing political views in a U.S. presidential campaign. And if we have time, I have a great Christian Anampour inside story. Ooh, all right. I like that. The, the little tease. There you go. Little tease for you guys. Uh, all right. Before we get into that, I want to thank our sponsor, realestateagentsitrust.com. So apparently, Glenn, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. it's not a good idea to just go to a phone book and close your eyes and <laughs> no, pick the realtor. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, I actually learned something when, I mean, I've bought and sold so many houses because I'm, I'm a radio guy. So I, it's like, a you know, you're a gypsy. Uh, and... Uh, uh, every time it was a pain in the ass. And I didn't know what to, I mean, how do you, I don't know. Just sell my house. Can you just please sell my house? Um, and then about 10 years ago, I started doing work with some, uh, some of the best real estate. There's a list the Wall Street Journal puts out every year, 500 best real estate agents in the country. So I started doing work with those people. And just curious, I'm just like, okay, what do I, what, 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 why do I always get, you know, and they just started ticking, well, they do this, do they do this, do they do this, do they do this? And I'm like, no, none of that. And they're like, mm, there is your problem. And so what we started is, uh, because out of frustration, I started a company that is just kind of like a matchmaker service that finds the real estate agent that does all those things that is in your area that also is, um, they're fans of the show, they listen to the show, so you're not going to get into a car for four hours with somebody who is just taking down, you know, the Trump and, and, and talking about how great socialism is and where you're just like, oh, dear God, ju- I, that, yes, I'll take that house. <laughs> just shut up. I'll take that house. So they'll find the right person for you. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Uh, really quickly, as, a, as an aside that made me think of my first Uber ride ever, like ever, I had this woman who just talked, just was bashing Trump the entire time, and it was so uncomfortable. And I was just like, I don't think I want to use the service ever again. <laughs> it was so awkward. Like, so I went to Denver and I took an Uber, and it was a, a Native American history studies professor. Oh. Okay. Okay. And he was driving. He had no idea who I was, and he's talking to me about history, and I'm really engaged, and I'm just going, I love history, so we're just talking history, yep, 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 uh, and uh, then he drops me off at a studio, and it was an NPR studio, and he's like, oh, you're, you're here for NPR, and I said, well, yeah, I'm a guest, and then he started putting the two and two together, and he's like, <gasps> so I wondered if he was going to be there afterwards. Yeah. Afterwards, I happen to have the gun, the the only gun that is in private hands uh, from the Battle of Wounded Knee that was taken from the Native Americans. Oh, wow. And I said, uh, 
I'll show you something. I said, it's such a coincidence that you're here. We ended up being good friends. He was a great wow. guy. Oh, cool. oh, that is not the way just, I thought that story was going to I thought you were going to mug him with that gun. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's much better that you showed it to yeah, him. Yeah, no. And, and it, we had a great conversation, like an hour drive after that. We had a great conversation of what we agreed on, what we disagreed on. And it was great. So that still exists. We can still have civil yes. conversations. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yes. Good to hear. Great. All right. The key element was guns. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> All right, Louis Farrakhan. All right, let me just show you this tweet from Louis Farrakhan. Uh, here's what he just tweeted. Um, God does not love this world. Huh, that's new to me. God never sent Jesus to die for this world. Jesus died because he was 2,000 years too soon to bring about the end of the civilization of the Jews. Um, he was never on the cross. There was no Calvary for that Jesus. Well, first of all, I want to know, was there another Jesus where there was a Calvary for that Jesus? Maybe he meant Jesus. Yeah, there is another Jesus, Jesus but he came Jesus. out 50 years later. Um, if you read that tweet, uh, not only is it wildly offensive to Christians, I don't think you could be more anti-Semitic than uh, Jesus showed up 2,000 years too early to kill all the Jews. He doesn't leave anything no. to the imagination there. No. Now, you'll notice that this is on Twitter. <laughs> and thank goodness he's learned his lesson. He doesn't have the blue check mark. So you don't know if this is really Louis Farrakhan's <laughs> account or not. It is Louis Farrakhan's account, and that's the only thing they do to punish him. And he, this will stand. Now, why does this matter? Because we all know who he is. Mm -hmm. This matters because we are becoming a society of nothing more than sleeping sheep. We were sheep. Now we're sleeping sheep. Yeah, they can come in and shear us. They can even tell, you know, I said to my young daughter once, I was making some dinner and, she, and, and I put it in the oven. She said, what is that? And I said, leg of lamb. And she looked at me, she must have been about six, and she said, so somewhere on a farm there's a <laughs> lamb with only three <laughs> legs? And I said, yes, honey. Uh, that's sure. all you that's need to know right off. now. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, you don't need a lamb like that all in one sitting. Uh, so, so that's what, but that's what we are. We are asleep, and they are taking body parts away from us, and we don't even wake up through that. The anti-Semitism that is happening in our country right now, this is a warning of things to come. This is a death cult. And it's a warning of things to come. If you can't stand up, if, if somebody was saying that about Muslims, mm -hmm. I know we'd all here be standing up for Muslims and saying, that guy's got to be stopped. That guy's got to be stopped. What is this? It's going to stand... He won't lose his account. Nothing will happen. The Democrats who have stood with him won't be asked to be held to a higher standard. None of that will happen. Wake up, America. Wake up. Um, I, and I want to be clear that, you know, we talk a lot about Twitter and censorship and things of that nature. You're just saying that there needs to be one specific criteria and standard that they should stick to. No, I really want the it. standard of they are a platform. So they don't edit anyway. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, right. so Louis Farrakhan should be allowed to say what he wants to say, but if that's the case, then you don't kick people off for saying learn to code? 
Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah. Guys, <laughs> guys, guys, learn to code is way more offensive than wanting to end the civilization of the Jews. <laughs> right? Yeah, Am I mean, I if right? we're making a tiered thing, if, I mean, like, I, I can't believe I said that on television. I don't even like right. saying learn to code. Yeah. <laughs> oh. But I mean, that, that's what, that's right, what. I just want, yeah, yeah, I want to make it clear. I am not for a infringement of freedom of speech, and we'll hear about Christiane Anampour in a minute. Um, I'm not for the, the uh, uh, you know, any kind of stifling of freedom of speech or freedom of, of expression. But you got, you have to compare things with, with learn to code what anybody else is saying, and they're disband, they are run from society. This guy says these things repeatedly. He truly believes them. He calls for violence, and he's celebrated by people in power. That's not a double standard. That's a sign of a lunatic, suicidal nation. Mm. Um, while we're on this subject, I know you said, Christine, um, I can't say her name. Christiane Amanpour. Um, Andrew, if you don't mind, we're gonna, we'll get to adoptions after this since... This kind of goes along with it. Let's listen to what she had to say first. Sure, because you just said lock her up yeah. um, uh, or lock me up. Of course, lock her up was a feature of the 2016 um, Trump campaign. Do you, in retrospect, wish that people like yourself, the head of the FBI, I mean, the people in charge of law and order had shut down no that language, that it was dangerous potentially, that it could have created violence, that it's kind of hate speech? Should that have been allowed? That's not a role for government to play. The beauty of this country is people can say what they want, even if it's misleading and, and it's demagoguery. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, at least James Comey actually stood up for, you know, America. Yeah, yeah. He did. I mean, you could see his eyes just going, uh, what? But Where are you the, going? Yeah, exactly. But that's, I mean, let, let's remember she's British. Um, she's a British citizen. She grew up in a country that you can be you know, put in jail for tweeting the wrong thing. Mm. Um, that's what they do in Britain. So there are hate now. speech laws. There, there are hate speech laws in Canada. Yeah, she's I mean, only worked for the United States, the company in the yeah. United States of America for, I don't know, 40, 40 years. years. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, it's just amazing that they come up with it. But she said what a lot of those guys want to stay. Yes. Because they, they, they want to say what is acceptable speech. I mean, you've got... The FEC, I mean, I, I happen to think that all campaign finance laws are unconstitutional restrictions on yeah. speech mm-hmm. um, because they use them to target people. It's yeah. political right. It's speech. political speech, it, whether it's money or whatever. But remember, the FEC wanted to regulate us and Drudge and mm-hmm. people like that that spoke about politics on the Internet and classify them as ads. That's what these people want to do. They want to have tech companies stop people from speaking and ban them like the Lewis Farrakhan thing. And not only that, the guy that heads Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, now wants to get the government more involved in regulating those companies so that they could stop speech and stop people from doing things even more. It's absolutely amazing. Glenn Beck prediction already coming true. Anyway, uh, you know, tell a story that you told me on the air today about uh, the guy from, I think it's the Washington Examiner, who's doing some really... The Hill. It was The Hill. John Solomon from The Hill. Yeah, so listen. So John John Solomon from The Hill, during the whole um, Mueller report time, he would come out with scoops. He's an investigative reporter that has won awards. He's worked for The Washington Post. He's worked for a bunch of people. He happens to lean a little bit right, like Cheryl Atkinson does. Right. Like I think Laura, you know, some other people do. And he was doing real investigative work. And the only place he could publish it at The Hill was under the Hill.tv because he ran Hill.tv. 
So I, I found something else today when I was writing my, the WTF MSM newsletter. It was the Clinton Foundation that went to the Hill and said, well, you know, he's just an opinion guy. And, and, and you know, the, a lot of this stuff isn't, isn't true. And it was the stuff like the Clintons paid Fusion GPS to, you know, right. to get the dossier written and all that stuff. So because the Clinton Foundation made a stink and the reporters at the Hill made a stink, he had to be classified an opinion contributor. Well, this week on Monday, on April Fool's Day, this was not an April Fool's joke, he found out that in 2014, I think it was, sometime during the Barack Obama presidency, he went to the Ukraine. George, uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. This is Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, sorry. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden went to the, to the Ukraine and he bragged about what he did in the Ukraine to a group of foreign policy people later. And what he said was, he told the president of the Ukraine that if he didn't, he would not get his billion dollars in loan guarantees for the country if the top prosecutor in the Ukraine wasn't fired. The guy was subsequently fired. And you know why he wanted him fired? Why? His son was on the board or was affiliated with a company that that prosecutor was investigating. He used the full wow. faith and credit of the United States of America to say that we will not give you a loan, we will not back your loan so you can improve your country. And he based that on getting a guy fired so his son would get out of trouble. Next week we're doing a special on Joe Biden and we'll cover this and the many, many other current scandals with Joe Biden. Forget about it, he's handsy. This guy is absolutely corrupt to the core and we'll have that next, I think it's next Thursday. And did you know how many mainstream, guess how many mainstream media sources besides Fox News, who has him on, and us now, mm-hmm. and uh, The Hill, and maybe a few other right sites had this story. Zero. Zero. And he's still classified as opinion. Right? And John Solomon is still classified as opinion. Did, did he cover that? Is that, is that he the, covered it. Yeah, he's the one that broke the story, that wrote the story, that found, that found the story and wrote the story. To, to go back to Christine, uh, Christine Amanpour, um, it's kind of a foundational part of American society is you're allowed to be a dick. Yeah. It's like, that's part mm-hmm. of it. I'm glad. Like, and it's like, and mm-hmm. one, of, one of the things that I find disturbing right now is um, you can, I, I think it was very distasteful to say lock her up. That's banana republic type mm-hmm. stuff. We're better than that. Mm-hmm. You do have the right to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you start getting people coming in and going, we're going to restrict the bandwidth of what is legally appropriate to say, and we're going to keep it in this box. It's very disturbing. Uh, and the, the, it's only a matter of time before I'm outside of that box. Well, I will tell you that, do we have time? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I will tell you, I worked with Christiane Anampour, and uh, you should know that I have the tapes of all of our conversations. Um, and I taped them because we had, she was uh, put in charge of vetting a show I did about the Middle East and Jerusalem and, and, uh, and uh, Muslims. And what they were saying in, in Arabic on, on Arab TV, we had all the translations, we had it all buttoned up. You would not believe the, uh, the hurdles that we had to go through and the things that she would say. Th- this is not someone who believes in facts and differing opinions or a different way to look at it. It's this way and only this way. And uh, she is, uh, she's an interesting, interesting individual. Interesting individual. Hmm. That's cryptic. Back in a minute. Sometimes it feels like she doesn't even know who I am. <laughs> she doesn't.
Andrew, uh, international adoption. International adoption. So I, b- before I get into this, I, I want to kind of pose a question for, for viewers at home. There's about 4,000 ambulance accidents that happen in the United States every year, and that's because ambulances are just driving so fast that they'll run a red light or whatever, and they'll run into somebody, they'll run into another car. And so there's a trade-off we've got when we've got ambulances. We can either legally determine the speed at which they can drive, we can make them all go 20 miles an hour, and we'd bring that down to virtually nothing. But if we do that, they're going to get to the scene much later. Mm-hmm. And probably more people are going to die. Mm-hmm. So we have to figure that out because a lot of the time there's this trade-off between speed and safety. Or I should say speed and caution. That might be a better word there. And we're seeing that with international adoption right now because the amount of international adoptions happening in the United States has plummeted from the high mark in 2004. It's down by like 80, 85% since wow. 2004, a huge amount of them. And there's two factors that are going on. Part of that is that a lot of other countries just don't like us. And uh, I, I don't have a rundown of each one of them, uh, you know, issue by issue. But a lot of it, to be blunt, is that they're homophobic. We allow gay people in the United States to mm-hmm. adopt. There are a lot of countries that don't like that. And they have put down a, a, a drawbridge or lifted up the drawbridge to keep us from doing that. Because heaven forbid we would take their unwanted children and bring them to the United States. So that's part of it. But part of the other problem, the thing that we can handle on our end, is that the Department of State is trying so hard to be cautious with adoption agencies that it's strangling them. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, like something like 50 international adoption agencies have gone out of business. And when you talk to these people, when you go through and you interview them, a lot of the time it's because they've got pretty small staffs and they just don't have the ability to be constantly doing the red tape that mm-hmm. the State Department's putting out. There was a, and I, I confess I don't know all of the, uh, all of the, details on how the international adoption scene works, but there was, I believe, a, uh, like an accreditation uh, group that went out of business recently. The State Department's kind of stepped in to fill that gap. But oh, that's always good. With, yeah. Yes, with, with, way more, uh, with way more red tape. Uh, and as a result, um, yeah, the amount of, of children being adopted is going down. Now, the, the concerns that they have for these kind of things are, you know, what if uh, there's, you know, an inappropriate family? What if there is, uh, you know... There's child abduction and, and then marketed. Sure. Yeah. There's, yeah, so, so there, are, there are valid concerns. But the thing is, though, it, it, with all of these, with children, that's time that matters. It's not, we're not talking about like getting a new car. We're not talking about being delayed on a vacation. We're talking about a child in a very important developmental phase that may not be able to come to the United States for years, who is wanted here who we want to come over and bring over, who's in an orphanage that is probably subpar. And I've read some horror stories you probably have, too. Uh, I obviously don't have any children. Uh, I would probably pass that te- or fa- fail that test, I think. Uh, but I have great respect for people who do adopt. I think it's one of the best things you can do. And it really saddens me that we have, um, I think, out of kind of a fear of messing up, we've become so overly cautious and so regulatory that we are... We're hurting the lives of children that could really that's use what, parents. That's what happens in every big company and every, you know, every government organization. Democracy. Cover your ass. Cover your ass. Don't get yelled by. Don't. Why take the risk? Why have this come back and bite us? Make sure. Make sure. Make sure. No problems. Well, that's how you get all that red tape. On the other hand, I mean, I've been down to Haiti. I've I have an adopted son. Uh, a good friend of mine adopted a, a, a fact a brother and sister from Haiti took him two years mm-hmm. to do it. Um, and that was because you either pay off somebody or they're just going to make your life a living hell. He wouldn't pay anybody off 
and made their life a living hell. It might have even been three years. Uh, and they were living in this horrible, I was there, I saw it. They were living in this you know, not so great um, uh, orphanage. Um, and where in orphanages, kids are sold in countries like that. That's happening all over the world. And because we're big Americans, you know, they're like, just make them pay for it. Make them pay for it. And, and, the, and the, the government gets rich off of these children as they basically are selling them around the world. So, I mean, it's, it's, there's lots of See, layers and, of problems. Th that's where I would, I would want the State Department to, to focus its efforts on being advocates for international adoption agencies and advocates for parents that want right. to bring them in, as opposed to being this restrictive body. Uh, yeah, the problem is, I mean, you have, like, for instance, Russia is wildly corrupt, wildly corrupt. You know what? I'd rather have our people pay money to get those kids out of those horrible, horrible... Mm -hmm. Uh, institutions that have them sit there for three, four years. Yeah. I would be curious to see, too, um, and maybe it said this, the, with the decline, the declining rate, I would be curious to see where the, the, the investment is moving, right? Like, I would, I would assume that adoption is getting more expensive along with everything else. Do you know? Uh, you, you mean if it becomes cost prohibitive to do that? Correct. I don't know about that. I, one of the things that I did find interesting was that there didn't seem to be a correlation between local adoption and international adoption. There was some theory for a while that um, if you limited international adoption that American uh, orphanages would, would be able to adopt kids more frequently. That doesn't seem to be the case, which actually makes sense. Um, I, like I know a couple of people that listen to my show that probably came over from Glenn's show that have had a, a ton of kids adopted, and there's a lot of people that adopt once or twice, and then they're like, I'm, I'm really committed to this, mm -hmm. and they keep going. So but it has an amplifying effect as opposed to a, a zero-sum game effect. I, I mean, uh, quite frankly, I don't understand how people afford that, though. You adopt one child, and it's so unbelievably you, expensive. Nobody's adopted here. No. no. I will tell you, adoption is the scariest thing ever. Um, and it's scary for this one reason. You live in fear for the first, what is it, three years, that someone is going to come and take your child. You bond with them. And, and I adopted here in Texas. And in Texas, I read the contract between the mom and, and us. <laughs> I wouldn't have signed it. It was bold, you know, 20 point uh, lettering. You have no rights. You have blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's just, it's brutal. The Texas is brutal to the parent giving up. You have nothing to do with this child ever again. And even with that, my wife and I sweated those three years. You know, is something going to happen? Is something going to happen? Is something going to happen? It's scary. And so you, you have these attorneys and everything else on both sides. We, we have developed a system of litigation where somebody could come in and take your child, you know, through the court system. It's happened where it's scary. It's worth it, but it's scary. And unless you have a big attorney, it's, uh, it'll give you some sleepless nights. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. I remember Kanye crying. Rob, you are in charge of the newsletter WTF MSM. Correct. Okay. So where can people make sure that they can subscribe to that? Um, right now, go to my Twitter page. Um, so at Robino, R-O-B-E-N-O, top pin comment. Click on the link and you can sign up. Give people a preview because I, I read it every time it's published. It comes out. I read it. I love it. I use it for show prep. It's really good. What do people get? When uh, people get, for, 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 for this email, people get a um, just my take on media stories and what they mean and why 
people like Brian Stelter, our friend at CNN, um, are crazy. You know, our, our friend at CNN. You know, well, you know, on Monday it was Brian Stelter is the best man in the world and never wrong. Yeah. But it was also April Fool's. So, um, <laughs> Great that was point. The subject. Overtime starts next. Up next, enjoy bonus overtime content from the news and why it matters. Available exclusively for podcast listeners and Blaze TV subscribers. Not a subscriber? Start your free trial at blazetv.com. I feel like uh, Joe Biden, every day there's something new that we have to discuss uh, that's happening with him. Most of it having to do with the fact that he is just the creepiest guy ever. Um, I've got a theory. Do you? I've got a theory. Can I, do, I'm so sorry. I interrupted. Please continue. Yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> let, me, let me first. I want to get into your okay, theories. Right. Um, but first, let's play. There is a, there's a new ad that has come out about creepy Joe Biden, and it is uncomfortable. Watch. I feel Joe Biden put his hands on my shoulders get up very close to me from behind, lean in, smell my hair, and then plant a slow kiss on the top of my head. To have the Vice President of the United States do that to me so unexpectedly and just kind of out of nowhere, it was just shocking. It was shocking because you don't expect that kind of intimate behavior. You don't expect that kind of intimacy from someone so powerful and someone who you just have no relationship whatsoever to to touch you and to feel you and to be so close to you in that way uh, uh, i can't it's so bad and if you'll notice the body language of these young girls it's so clear that they are so uncomfortable with all of this and Yet he persists. Nevertheless, he persists. Mm-hmm. My, my theory is this. I think his doctors accidentally, they meant to give him vitamin D and they gave him ecstasy. So he's just constantly going around like feeling shag carpeting. That's all he's doing at home. Just feeling shag carpeting, petting puppies, things like that. Um, I, there's, there's a couple of things I want to point out, though. Clearly, this man does not understand personal boundaries. Absolutely. I don't think anybody's claiming that there's a sexual nature to this. Uh, and I think it's worth pointing out with that ad, which I got that ad's leaning really hard into Joe Biden's a child molester, which he's not. No one's saying he's a child molester. Um, he doesn't get personal space, but he's not molesting children. Uh, and the thing that I'm kind of disturbed about that with is I think right now we're seeing this interesting fissure in the Democratic Party. And I feel like the, the Republicans are jumping on too quick for this reason. The fissure in the Democratic Party that's going to be dominating the rest of our lives is do you think markets are good or do you think markets are evil? Uh, that has not been the case for the preceding 30 years, because for the last 30 years, it was markets are good. How far should we regulate them? Now we're seeing it the other foot where you've got the old guard like Joe Biden who thinks markets are good. And then you've got the new people like Bernie Sanders who think they're evil. And for that reason, I'm, I'm kind of I, I, I wish the, the GOP would like hang back a little bit more on this because like, oh, he might defeat Trump. And I'm like, well, you might just knock him out of the race and get Bernie Sanders instead. And I'd much rather have Joe. So but you think I mean, I know Bernie Sanders is is. His polling has shown that he is a real contender, but you think that that would be the case, that if if Joe Biden gets knocked out, we are President Bernie Sanders? He might do. I don't know. It's We're so far out. We're so, so far out from doing that, but I kind of, I, I think the attitude of looking at, like, just looking at the Democrats like whack-a-moles of, like, if you can nail any of them, hit them as hard as you can, I think that, that is not a good way to think. There are... There, there's In my mind, there are ones that I wouldn't like. There are ones that I'd be okay with. They're not like a monolithic block. And I'd say, like, the more centrist candidates like Joe, at least, like, 
Um, there are some redeeming qualities to him. He seems to generally not favor regulation, at least he has in the past. Yeah. Um, there are other things I don't like, like the 1994 criminal justice reform bill was terrible. He you know, voted for the war in Iraq. There's all sorts of things he did that are bad. But um, I look at like Bernie Sanders, who would like spend $100 trillion year one. And I'm like, ah, Joe, like, I'm just, you know, pretend you have a cold. Try not to, you know. Or, or if you're his handler, always have a dog. And be like, Joe, get all out of your system, pet the dog, and then go talk to people. Yeah, but, I, I mean, yes and no. Because, I mean, look at that, the, the, the girl in the red. That was... Where he, like, just grabbed her whole arm and, like... That, that was, like, a move of... I, it, it, it was weird. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying it's okay. Weird. I'm just saying he's not a child molester. Well, I, don't, I don't think it's sexual. And, well, I, I don't know. know. I disagree with you I there. Do, I disagree. I disagree. Yeah, yeah, I, disagree. I, do. Yeah. I do. The hand around the, the, the lower waist. The cup but, in a field. Yeah, yeah and let me just say this. If it was my daughter um, and I saw a grown man doing that to my underage daughter, I would have a real problem with it. It just doesn't look clean. It doesn't look right to me. Obviously, this is up for interpretation, right? right. Like, we don't yeah. know what Joe Biden is thinking when he's creepily whispering into little girls' ears and kissing them without That's their consent. But to me, I mean, I was always, since my son was a baby, I always, there, there she is. She's very clearly, I mean, the arm around the waist is just, and even she sees that there's a problem with it. She looks down at it. Um, I have always taught my son from day one, um, that he, you know, bodily autonomy. So he, it, I don't even let relatives say, well, come give me a hug. If he doesn't want to give someone a hug, he needs to know that this is his body and he's not forced to give, you know, crazy uncle so-and-so a hug or whatever the case may be. So I just think that it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to teach, you know, your, especially your daughters that... Yeah, and Some like, grown man can just and, and pull them I, and touch end, them and and. I'm not saying it's them. okay to give an Eskimo kiss to every stranger you meet. That's not what I'm saying. All, all I'm saying is I don't, I don't think it's sexual. But, like, it, it is an inappropriate level of touch and personal space and everything else. I agree with you there. And it is just kind of creepy, if I may. Again, I realize we have no evidence, and I'm not suggesting Joe Biden is a child molester um, at all. But it is a little bit weird that it's there's all this footage with young girls. Right. And, and, it, and it's everybody. The, the thing that weirds me out is all of a sudden we're talking about it and he's like, oh, and they're, they're like blaming the Bernie camp for doing this mm-hmm. and do that. We've been talking about this mm-hmm. on the right for mm-hmm. 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been showing those clips. Those clips are old. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, we, we've, we've been, been talking showing... about it for 15 years because there's 10 million right. videos showing it. it. And, you know, it, and what's interesting is The Daily Show. Um, when John Stewart was still on it a few years ago, did the audacity of grope, and it was about Bo, you know, Joe Biden doing this. And the funny thing is, and I've not seen the video, but I've seen it described. Samantha B comes in all disheveled, and was like, "I just got out of a meeting with Joe Biden." I'm like, 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 like well that, done that them. I, that, yeah. There's equal opportunist humor. I appreciate that. But, yeah, but all of a sudden, you know, we're coming to this. That, that, that it's all of a sudden this big thing. This has been happening, and we've been told that it's nothing, and the media is still telling us that it's nothing. That the Washington Post ran a news story mm-hmm. with the title "Affectionate Joe Biden," yes. like, like it was like an affect. He's just overly affectionate, touchy guy. Yeah, the, the affection of groping, the affection. It's okay. That groping's okay. Because I'm affectionate. In which, which I see, and I think this is where we balance this out. I think the rule should be: if you meet Joe Biden, you can touch him anywhere you want. If you want to, like, put your hand in his pocket or like, like, try and like 
thrust your hand up through his sleeve to grab his shoulder, that's fine. He doesn't have personal, there's no concept of personal space with Joe Biden. So do, do whatever you want. Just sit on his lap, do it like, like rub his hair. It's all good. <laughs> I mean, I, I do just want to say this is where, and I know Stu says it all the time, um, but this is where we just, just have a, a standard and stick to it, right? Because these are the same people. I, I suspect who, that if Mike Pence were doing this, we would be hearing about it more. Exactly. I mean, these are the same people who wanted to torch Brett Kavanaugh for things that we still don't have proof that he ever did. And these are the people who say this is why the Me Too movement is so important. You know, women uh, have to give consent for anything. I mean, a guy can't go out on a first date and kiss a girl without fearing that he may get, you know, sued or torched on the Internet later. Um, And you've got these same people who are saying this is the standard that we should hold for everyone. And then you've got them also saying... Joe Biden's fine. It's fine. No, I mean, those little girls didn't ask for it, but it's fine. I, we just need to have a clear standard here. Yeah. I, I was talking point. with somebody today, you know, the, the, the Donald Trump Access Hollywood tape with, mm-hmm. with Billy Bush. Implicit in that dirty locker room joke was consent. Mm-hmm. They yeah, let yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 implicit in that joke was consent. Well, and also, I might add, I don't, maybe you did. Yeah. I never defended him for that. Oh. Right? I, I, I said it was terrible. I said it was terrible at the time, and it was a guy making a statement that you don't know whether or not it's true. Right. It was it here was locker we, room. Here it we've was got room stuff. We've yeah. got visuals, right? So, yeah. just putting it out there. I just what if, okay. Like a, what if clear what if Joe Biden always has to wear kitchen mittens, like <laughs> like oven mitts? He always has to have oven mitts when he meets people. That seems like I'm trying to meet everybody halfway here. It's funny because <laughs> Big Mickey I, Mouse saw, hands. I yeah. saw I saw oh, the look yeah. on your you face. I, like I saw that. the look on your face, and I could see the wheels turning. And I was like, I'm problem solver. Where's Where's Andrew going with this? <laughs> oh, oven mitts. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. fair. That's about right. Uh, Alyssa Milano is currently in Georgia filming a um, Netflix comedy series, I guess, and. She is very, very upset about the new Georgia um, abortion law. So it is that whenever they can detect a heartbeat, um, they cannot uh, abort the baby. And she had a little run-in with a Georgia lawmaker over this bill. Watch. What district of Georgia are you from? Uh, I work in Georgia. Do you vote in Georgia? I don't vote in Georgia. I was just wondering what district you were from. There's 30 people outside that do vote in Georgia that I was going to escort in. Excuse me. Don't interrupt me. That I was going to escort in, but they wouldn't let me escort in. So so no, you don't vote in Georgia. No, but the people that work on my crew, the 90,000 people that the entertainment industry actually employs, do. So thank you. What's your name? Dominic Morris. So district one, nothing? I just answered your question. I'll be happy to do it. These are the men that are voting on what goes on inside my uterus. This guy right here, this guy. Libertarian Andrew, go. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to say this. Uh, two things. First of all, while I hate talking about abortion, not my favorite topic. Um, That's why I called on you first. I get why people are freaked out about it, right? Because yeah. basically one of two things is happening, particularly with, this, with the heartbeat one, because that's fairly early. It's what, about six weeks in? Yes, one sometimes of, earlier than that. One of two things is happening. Either you're killing a baby or you're enslaving a woman. Those are the two things that are happening. It's what, One of those is happening, so I, I totally get why if you're pro-life, 
you want to stop it and freak out because it's infanticide. If you're pro-choice and you don't think it's a baby, why you think it's you're 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 being imp- you're being shackled to something you didn't sign up to? That makes sense to me. So I don't really blame her for being mad there. I'll, I'll also add, like, I, the guy's trolling her. Uh, he's and he's asking, you know, what district are you from? If conversely, I, I'm sure that there were people that came up to New York when they were doing their infanticide bill and were, were you know, not from New York. And like, generally speaking, we weigh in all the time on things that aren't in our geographic area. Like, like uh, individual rights are very important to me. I, I care about individual rights outside the confines of Texas. Like if, if I'm in Kansas and someone were like, oh, you can't marry anyone anymore. Marriage is outlawed. I'd I be mean, like, I'm going to go talk about this to these Kansas folk. Fair. But, you know, we're, we are electing the people who we want to represent True. us in that in our states. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe the people who elected this particular gentleman, I don't know his name, um, maybe the people who elected him are in favor of this bill. And just because Alyssa Milano, you know, comes from California. And and I'll I'll add to that, like like when I when I worked in Congress, one of the things that I found very irritating on the constituent relations end is that I would get phone calls from people outside of our district. Mm -hmm. And we had we had an obligation to represent the people that elected us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so if, if you called from, you know, Moose Jaw. Uh, Wyoming or or drops. Is that a real place? Yeah, of course. All the places I, I say are. Dro- it, it is in Saskatchewan. There is a moose chat yeah. Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it, or or Dropsy County, Iowa, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it was it was irritating because I one time actually I had a guy I had I hung up on him politely, but I hung up on him and then he called me back and he was so mad and I was like, look, I had to drop a call from one of our constituents because I was talking to you. Mm-hmm. So like you know if if the if the if he's basically saying I'm not going to talk to you because you're not from Georgia, I think that's fine. But it seems to me that he kind of came in and was looking for. Her. Although I, I don't know what prior stuff happened there. Yeah. Rob, what's your take? Well, you should ask her who the boss was. <laughs> but no, it's my, my, my take is that, but, um, yeah, but um, some, some of these, and, and it's six weeks, and, you know, I am been pro-life since I was, you know, in the womb of an unwed mother when Roe v. Wade was, <laughs> was, was done. You, you, were, you were that kid? I was that kid that could, I mean, and she, you know, she was told, hey, you can get rid of them. So, you know, that, that is why I am personally pro-life. But you know, someone like Alyssa Milano thinks that she can come in and lead this boycott of everybody in, in Georgia and all these people. Are gonna ch- I noticed that she's still working in Georgia and they passed the law. She didn't. She said she was going to stop her Netflix series. She didn't stop her Netflix series. But but some of these laws are going so far. Massachusetts, Charlie Baker, um, who I helped get elected when I was still in Massachusetts. Uh, he's a, a very, very socially liberal. Um, but they want to put in a version of the, the, the New York law where, you know, it's it basically infanticide that if the, the baby's already born, you don't have to do anything to save it. And even he's like, um, guys, this is a little bit whacked mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And he's threatening to veto it, mm-hmm. which people would not have expected. But I think it's gotten some people in Massachusetts to step back and say, OK, this guy is like super pro-choice. And yeah. even he's going, you know, this one's a little weird. Yeah. But but again, it's it's celebrity, and she was just nasty about it. She was right nasty. away, and she reminded yeah. me of like the the mom who's just doesn't have enough to do with her spare time, and just goes up to her son's school and wants to just start stuff with the teachers immediately. I mean, she just had that that condescending tone in her voice immediately, and I get it. He was trolling her, as you pointed out. Yeah. So she wasn't happy about that. I understand. But she, you know, she's going she's up there. she's done that before. She, right. And she's going up there to, you know, 
to create, uh, you know, a, a viewing for her for her social well, look, media Look followers. what she did during the Kavanaugh hearing, where she right. went with the camera, and she just sat with the camera just like that the right. entire time. Right. In the Kavanaugh hearing. I mean, that, that, that's... She, she, she was at the Kavanaugh hearing? She was at the oh, Kavanaugh yeah. hearing. She was sitting she's, there making faces during it. She's inserting herself in every single thing that happens now. Because she has to stay relevant, I guess. Mm. I don't know, but yeah, that was a that was a bizarre one. That to was me. not. She's she's not leaving a charmed life. She's she's not. <laughs> she's not. I wish. Here's my thing on this, and of course, I'm I'm pro life as well. But we see the left going to the extreme of all of this infanticide conversation, mm-hmm. to where it's not you're not embellishing to say. No, guys, they're literally talking about infanticide in some of these places. You know, Governor Northam's comments and, you know, things of that nature. It's not a stretch anymore. And I think that, you know, we see the average American public opinion of that radical of an idea is not good. The American people do not accept that. We reject it, right? So I just wish that in the pro-life community we could say, okay, Instead of swinging the opposite way and we're going to come up with what they're going to perceive to be an extremely radical bill, let's do something while public perception is, whoa, I think we're a little bit too radical on killing babies and I'm not comfortable with it. Let's get something done that's a little bit more palatable to average Americans. The the pro-life movement and conservatives in general do not do incrementalism well. Yeah. The left does incrementalism incrementalism well, which they they do one thing and then they come back and they get a little bit bigger bite of the apple and all of a sudden you realize you've done this far up than it is to ratchet down. Yeah, exactly. And we want everything. Yeah. Or nothing. Right. And it's a a conservative problem. We want everything or nothing. Um, And I will have I will have someone at least one person. I will have someone send me an email after this show and and tell me that I'm going to burn in the fires of hell because I am not just so staunchly. No, it's either my way or the highway on the pro-life matter. And it's like, no, 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 no. I agree with you. I just see a different way of getting to the end goal. And I think you have to build off of the momentum that you have and the American people do not like what's happening on the left when it comes to abortion. Right. And, and it's, we were talking earlier about campaign finance reform mm-hmm. um, and how, I mean, campaign finance reform is just anti-constitutional. I think it's an infringement of free speech. But you've seen that those folks, unlike the pro-life folks, have done Citizens United. Then they do another thing. Then mm-hmm. they do another thing. And they're switching the needle to, it. at some point in time, the Supreme Court's going to say, well, we argued all these other cases, so obviously it is a limit on political speech and yeah. we can't have it. Right. So, but they're doing it in an incremental way to get there. And it's just that often we don't think incrementally. We want everything at once. And sometimes you, you, we at some point in time have to get the incremental ball going the other way. I, um, I, I think there's kind of an interesting axis you can look at. We tend to talk about American politics as being on a left and right spectrum, which I think is pretty, it, it's one of many, many different spectrums. But another spectrum that you're alluding to is the sort of the ideal versus the pragmatic where are you on there? Yeah. Are, you, are you willing to accept half a loaf of bread instead of a full? Like, right. if your options are no bread or all bread, can you do half a loaf of bread? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's interesting to see how that plays out because uh, a lot of the time people do tend to be, nope, has to be this, the ideal that I want or I'm not going to be a part of it. And, and there can be uh, positive things that are left off the table as a result of that. Yep, I agree. All right, yesterday's poll, President Trump just announced plans for GOP health care reform following the 2020 election. Do you want to see Trump try to reform health care? 87% of you said yes. 13% said no. No, guys, no. We, we, we get trapped into this conversation that we need to reform. 
Don't, isn't that what we wanted to stay away from with Obamacare? I would, I would love, if, if Trump went, you know what, I'm going to fix health care and I'm going to put Senator Rand Paul in charge of it. I would be like, well, way to way. go, Trump. I'd be all in favor of that, right? That's not a Trump, pl- I mean, that's but not it, a Trump reform plan. If it's that's Trump just allowing tweeting Rand about health care, <laughs> I, well, no. I, I think that what some of the people, I will take the, um, the side of our viewers and Twitter followers, um, might mean by reform oh. is they may think, they may I'm think. I'm on your side too, guys. <laughs> They may think that reform also means let's get just get rid of Obamacare and let's do that but because that be that's repeal. reforming. No, no, no. That's also reforming. You can reform health care by making it not socialistic like it is and 100 percent capitalistic. That is a reform of health care. I mean, you, you, you can fair. do that. That's that I have fair. like I, I have um, the health care that I have in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a high deductible. Mm-hmm. Um, it if I didn't have health care, but if I didn't have health care. And I went to the doctor and I actually confirmed this with them when I talked to them last, that it would have cost me like half for the visit because they they have you pay less Mm -hmm. for the visits. Um, You get help. You know, so I mean, I've got diabetes. Me not being on healthcare is probably a stupid idea. Um, And it actually my my I do get like a four hundred dollar medicine for 30 bucks. So a month. So there is that. Um, but it really doesn't cover much when I hurt my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, had a frozen shoulder. I couldn't do more than this. I can now kind of do that. Um, I went to eight weeks of physical therapy that cost me $1,500. The insurance company didn't pay wow. it, but the insurance company said that those visits counted towards my annual visits. So if once I would have gotten past my deductible, they still wouldn't have covered it because I already went to the yeah, I, I, American healthcare is terrible. Like it's like because it, because yeah. we've got like eight different systems that don't work together. We don't have we don't have a free market system, nor nor do we have single payer. We have this weird hodgepodge of like eight different types of healthcare, none of which work very well together. I'd love I'd love to figure out how to clean that up. Right, and, and yeah, it's, Paul. <laughs> well, he does watch this program. So he just heard you. Hey, shout out! Uh, all right, today's poll is the gender wage gap real? No. It's not. But let us know what you think at the Blaze's Twitter. That is at the Blaze. I mean, no. I will not take our viewers' um, side if they say yes. So you won't. Well, for I that won't. One? Yeah, yeah, I won't for that one. I'm always on your side, guys. <laughs> Wink. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Rob, like, it was fun hanging out. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Can you do a wink and not look like an idiot? Thanks for listening to the news and why it matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.